Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Boston-based jazz saxophonist Nicholas Brust. He talked about his new 2023 CD called Daybreak and a life in music. Heralded as a premier saxophonist of his generation, he has established his voice in the world of modern instrumental music. He has found his niche as a band leader and composer, taking advantage of the numerous textures and combinations available in small group improvised music. While Nicholas has performed with numerous highly acclaimed musicians, he also makes a priority of working with up-and-coming talent. We get into all of this and so much more. Enjoy the interview. Well, hey, man, thank you for taking some time out. I appreciate it. And before we get into the new album, I want to know how you survived COVID the last couple of years. It was really hard on the jazz community. So how did you survive it, and how did it change the way that you approach things now? Yeah, that's uh, that's a great question. Let's see. Well, for me... Uh... I mean, obviously, COVID really hit us hit us all hard, and um, I know for I, I certainly didn't play any gigs for for years. Uh, let me see. You know, it's funny. The last gig I actually played, uh, like uh, as far as creative jazz gigs go, was in Brooklyn with the drummer and pianist from the album that I then end up recording with for this album. So, uh, you know, in a way, after the after COVID, I kind of you know I had this memory, and I was like, oh, I want to see what I can make of that. <laughs> Um, but anyways, getting back to the way I would, you know, survive. So for me, I was, um, before the pandemic hit, I was teaching at, uh, let's see, I had three different schools in the New York area, and they were all big commutes. Uh, I went up to Westchester, uh, out to, like, you know, New Jersey, and, uh, yeah, actually two or two schools were in New Jersey. And so that was kind of a, you know, before the pandemic, it was like my schedule was just really crazy, and, uh, you know, I didn't have any spare time. It's basically like, commuting, teaching, practicing, writing, <laughs> occasionally playing with people. And when the pandemic hit, I was actually uh, pretty lucky that my schools uh, transitioned really quickly to virtual teaching, um, which obviously has its own challenges. But I, I feel like I was pretty quick to adapt and find things that would work really well uh, via Zoom. And uh, one of the things, too, is just with the screen share, you know, some some stuff like uh, like uh, I have Sibelius and I was – you know, writing stuff out for students became really quick and easy, actually, actually better than in person. <laughs> so, yeah, I was lucky to, to actually keep teaching and pick up more teaching work throughout the pandemic. And then, you know, in 2021, as things kind of emerged, I uh, I was playing regularly with this group uh, that meets at this uh, at Virtuosity Musical Instruments here in Boston. And uh, that was a, a group of friends that we'd just get together and play every week. And it was like an easy way for me to like, you know, kind of get back into playing with real people again. So, yeah, those were all key elements in my surviving, I think you could call it, uh, the pandemic. Well, well, you know, and now we have a brand new year, 2023. Daybreak is out. It has to feel yep. good to have new material. So tell me what it feels like to have this out, how you artistically put this project together. It's interesting because the um, it kind of differs from my first project in that this this was more of a band. You know, we weren't really able to do – shows before um we did a bunch of rehearsals we did the recording um it was a group that like i had played i had played with like everybody in the group prior uh, a couple times and it had you know profound musical experiences with all of them i knew that they all have something special on their instrument they all have like a unique voice something that really you know they're something that really stands out that i know is going to bring something out of my music that i didn't even know was there it's like you know i'm, I'm playing with them and i'm like learning more about my music <laughs> through, yeah, you know, through them, through playing with them. So let's see, the, uh, so Lage Lund, I've been following him for, for a pretty long time. Uh, a friend of mine exposed me to his music back in like 2000, 
eight or nine, I want to say. <laughs> and I took a couple lessons with him when I was in Brooklyn. And then uh, I know we lucky we played a couple times together also. You know, I just, I've always looked up to him. He's always been a big inspiration. You know, I love all of his albums, but especially the album Terrible Animals, I remember. He, he released, I think it was in 2019, I want to say. It was like kind of right before the pandemic. And I, I proceeded to listen to it so many times that I, it got in the way of me checking other stuff out, actually. <laughs> Um, I was just, I don't know, something about that band sound is really has kind of redefined to me a little bit, you know, how I think about the music. Um, so I was really thankful that I could get him on the project because he's coming from Norway. And then let's see, so Julia Chen on piano, um, I played a couple sessions with her and I, you know, I'd mainly just seen her on the scene with various people. And uh, I remember getting a session together with her and uh, Gary Kikese, the drummer, uh, a couple times. And that was that was really fun. And then that was leading up to that gig we had before the pandemic, too. And then Rick Rosado, I played a couple times with him in various formats. I remember having, uh, I had a trio gig at Barnett Store in the Village, which I think I think they're not back to having music just yet, but that should reopen soon. Uh, so I had, uh, let's see, a trio with him, uh, let's see, Rick Rosado and Ben Jensen. He's the guitarist on my first album. And so I kind of, yeah, I had a lot, of, a lot of great experiences with Rick that way. And yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. That's that's all of them. Talk to me a little bit about how this jazz journey began for you. Where were you born and raised, and how did jazz resonate and become your life? Yeah, sure. Uh, so let's see. I was I grew up in Rochester. I spent the first uh, twenty, twenty two, twenty three years of my life there. So that's kind of like you know a small tight knit scene. I want to say it might be one of the better scenes that is in New York City if you're going if you're staying in the state. <laughs> and let's see. So I. The uh, Rochester International Jazz Fest started in, I think, 2001 or two, which was right around when I was in middle school. So actually, it, it hit me at the right time. And, uh, you know, I'd been playing jazz at the time, and I knew about it, and I'd, I'd been checking out, you know, a lot of the, some of the vintage recordings, you know, Charlie Parker, Hank Mobley, uh, Sonny Stitt, I think, were maybe some of the first, Miles Davis, Jackie McLean, stuff like that. But then, you know, to actually hear stuff live was a huge part of my development. And I think the development and growth of that Rochester Jazz Festival has kind of fueled my growth as an artist. Uh, let's see. So that was, that's middle and high school. And I ended up going to Eastman for undergrad, where I connected with a lot of people I would, I would you know, keep in touch with, including uh, Nick Finzer, who's, uh, he's uh, on the outside of music, the label I'm releasing Daybreak with. So here, here we've come back around with that. <laughs> and let me see. So that's. Yeah, and then I ended up going to, uh, I ended up moving to Boston in 2010. So, yeah, that takes us up to that. Right on. So yeah. <laughs> talk to me a little bit about, you know, what what is it that you look forward to the most of, of being a professional musician? There's so many elements that go into it, you know. You're teaching, you're performing, you're recording. But what is it every day that motivates you to do what you do to wake up and get into it? Well, I love to create. I, I just love to, you know, when I'm, I'm usually feeling my best when I'm writing a lot and, uh, you know, and maybe trying to be free, freely create without judging myself too hard, <laughs> which is always a hard, you know, hard line to find. And, you know, just taking all the experiences I've had. So, you know, I ended up, I was in New York for eight years um, before move, moving to Boston during the pandemic. And I think all that experience, just playing with different people and just seeing, you know, how various bands work together has kind of fueled my composition. Cause it's like, it's like, I'm always writing these tunes that are kind of like, you know, they're really built for, for either certain people or just for like, you know, bringing out different voices in the band and that kind of thing. And I, I think that, you know, that experience has really forever changed the way I'm writing the way I'm composing. 
Yeah, I guess I I also embrace, you know, the challenge of kind of, you know, growing and evolving as a musician. Um, even just things like the vocabulary I'm practicing, you know, changes as, as I, I can kind of go back and listen to recordings, you know, throughout the years. And it's like, you know, the likelihood of me playing a certain line, <laughs> you know, it, it usually has like its peak. And then after that, it's not, it doesn't happen as much and some new material, ha- you know, takes over. Uh, and then, you know, I'm always trying to learn, you know, new tunes and new repertoire. Uh, I think I'm a fairly slow, deliberate learner of that stuff. But, it, uh, you know, I always find, you know, learning a new tune that that can affect the way I compose or, or even just, you know, bring a uh, new understanding to the same material. So, yeah. You know, you, you also get the chance to play with, you know, veteran and esteemed players in the world of jazz. What do you take from those players that have been around longer than you? How do you translate that to the students that you teach? What do you get from that and give back? Well, I think, yeah, a lot of the more experienced players I've, I've been fortunate to play with, uh, you know, in addition to having like, uh, you know, this thing where uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the, there's like a monk quotation where, you know, he says that the person who's the most uh, genius is the person who sounds like the most like themselves, <laughs> something like that. So, so it's like, you know, this, uh, it's, it's hard to put a finger on what it is. It's, it's just like, you know, from the very first note, it's like I can tell it's them. Uh, and then also layered on top of that is this sort of like making more out of less. I find that that's pretty strongly correlated to experience. And so that, you know, that allows, like, if you're playing a full set of music with them, uh, it's just like every tune is a little bit different. And I can certainly confirm that, like, you know, I, even like recording with uh, more experienced players, it's like every take has something special about it. So, you know, I'm always trying to, especially in this day and age, I'm always trying to get my students to sort of, you know, that, you know, I want them to understand the puzzle enough to you know, they got, they had, there's certain like, uh, things you have to get down to understand the language, but then also it's like always trying to find ways of, of, uh, you know, whether it's like leaving space or like phrasing or like ways to make the same line different every time you play it just a little bit. I think that's mostly, and then just, you know, yeah, just always, always just, uh, you know, keeping things focused in regards to like repertoire with the students of like, you know, what do we learn? Or like, what do we, what can we learn to like get more, you know, skills in, in the music? And then also like what they want to learn too. Usually even like, you know, any song that they bring to my attention usually has enough material to get to the next, you know, level. Or if we like break it down and like add, add parts to it, it can, you know, fuel a whole, you know, a bunch of lessons really. Tell me why you love jazz. Uh, I love the freedom to create and I love the, I love the sort of the the daredevil approach to jazz where it's like you're, <laughs> you know, you've put in so much time and preparation and you have all these things you know work, but then in the moment you're actually, you know, you're you're being risky. Uh, you're almost like, you know, risking error to to see if you can like get out of it with your team, with your group you're playing with. And then out of that you create, you know, something new. Tell me right now, you know, as far as like playing in front of crowds, is there a deeper level of appreciation now, especially with you releasing an album and having shows coming up? Do you sense that there's a deeper appreciation for live music? What What is that feeling like right now? Uh, yeah, I, I, well, let's see. I will certainly say that, like, I, more than ever, I appreciate live audiences. I do, I do think there is a sense, you know, people are, are happy to get back out there and listen to music. You know, I, I think we're still coming back from the pandemic. I, I still feel like, I don't know, there's there's still another level, at least here in Boston, <laughs> to, to be had. But I definitely feel a, v- a very strong appreci- appreciation in the community um, for, for the music. And, uh, 
Yeah, we have a new, uh, there's a new club. I forgot the name. It's supposed to be opening here in Boston soon. And, um, and uh, you know, I played uh, New Year's Eve. I was playing uh, at Wally's Jazz Club, the historical club here in Boston. And, and uh, it was just like after every song, the audience was like so engaged. You know, I, I actually don't, the last time I had gotten that much engagement was definitely prior to the pandemic, I think. Everyone out there has a perception or an idea of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? <laughs> Jeez. I feel like yeah. I, yeah, I guess I feel like I'm at the middle of a lot of things right now. Like I'm, you know, I, sometimes I feel like as an artist, I'm trying to, I'm trying to relate the history of the music to what's next. Um, I mean, I have a lot of influences from all, from Bird all the way through like, you know, Pat Metheny and, you know, and even like, you know, some of like Robert Glasper um, and some of the, you know, the modern artists. So it's like I'm always trying, I, you know, I feel like I'm in the middle of those things. Uh, and then also being in my mid-30s, I feel like I'm kind of uh, a generation, uh, generational link of sorts. Um, I mean, even in like the group, you know, Daybreak, it's probably, you know, the, the age of the band goes from about 25 to, I think, 45, somewhere around there. And uh, and that can be fun to, to have different different generations in the same band. I feel like that's what, I don't know, just the, the depth of experience is, is increased in that case, I think. So yeah, I feel like I, you know, I'm I'm kind of tying all these things together. I feel like I'm in the middle of several different things. <laughs> so if anyone out there wants to pick up Daybreak, stream it, learn more about you and any live shows, where's the best place for them to go? Let's see. I'm gonna have it on my Bandcamp. Uh, that would be the best place to go. Um, and I think I think if you just search Nicholas Breast on Bandcamp, I think that comes up. Nicholas, yeah. thank you for taking time out today to talk about the album and your life and music. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your interest, and uh, I wish you the best. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. We give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Boston, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Nicholas for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on either iTunes or Spotify. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.